It's time for mystery. Mystery Radio. suicide. Yet her body is missing. The morgue attendant is murdered and the clues point to a red-headed, left-handed undertaker. Detective O'Malley hides in the morgue, unaware that he's being stalked by the murderer. welcome you to the Mystery Playhouse. Tonight we bring you a story by Jonathan Latimer called Lady in the Morgue. It offers Detectives Crane and O'Malley the delightful problem of solving three murders and interviewing a lovely brunette, a lady who is mysteriously related to the unsolved crimes. Come with me to the morgue for the beginning of our little story, huh? Oh, uh, don't let these stiffs bother you. Their troubles are over. But for those two detectives over there, the murders are just beginning. Come down these steps. Right this way. Come. Come, come. I'm going nuts hanging around here. Oh, stop squawking, O'Malley. Three days just sitting in the morgue. I'm beginning to feel like a stiff myself. Look, I don't like it any better than you do, O'Malley, but we're hired as private detective to sit here. And we're going to sit here until somebody identifies the dame's body. Okay. How do you know Alice Ross isn't Alice Ross? Why don't you stop being a jerk? That name's a phony. You know, Crane, the whole thing seems phony to me. What? Who is this rich New York guy, Cortland? He hires us by a telegram. We've never seen him. And why is he so interested in this little blonde who commits suicide? Look, I don't think it's going to do any good, but I'm going to tell you for the last time. He thinks it's his sister, Catherine Cortland. She ran away from home a couple of years ago, chasing after some musician. Yeah, gee. Hey, that's the desk bell. Looks like the morgue's got a customer. Leave him in the attendant or to answer it. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he, anyhow? Down in the vaults with the stiffs. Well, then maybe we better answer it, O'Malley. Might be somebody to claim the body. Uh, looking for someone, mister? For a couple of private detectives, Crane and O'Malley. Oh, I'm Crane. And that character over there is O'Malley. Well, my name's Cortland. I sent you that wire. Oh, come right in. Come right in. Glad to meet you. Me too. Delayed in New York. Expected to be here yesterday. What about the girl? No information yet, Mr. Cortland. If you think she might be your sister, Catherine, why, uh, you can identify yourself. Why, yes. Uh, where? Uh, this way, Mr. Collins. Thanks. The body's down in the vaults. Leave him in the morgue, attendant. You see, he's down there. I'll wait here for you, Crane. I can't stand looking at that girl again. Come on, come on. Stick with the client. Oh, okay. Watch your foot in the stairs are slippery. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Now, uh... What makes you think this Alice Ross girl might be your sister, Mr. Cortland? Well, just what I read in the New York papers, that's all. Blonde girl, blue eyes, suicide. Also, my sister Catherine wrote us about two months ago that she was finished with her old life. She ran away from home with a musician two years ago. And... Uh, the body's in here. Oh. Lieberman! Hey, Lieberman, where are you? I thought you said Lieberman was down here, O'Malley. Yeah, I saw him go down about 20 minutes ago. Come on, Mr. Cortland. The body's on tray number 27. Oh, yes. It's four, ten, fourteen. Seventeen. Twenty-five. Twenty-seven. Uh, you pull out the tray. I don't like things like this. Oh, there's nothing to be afraid of. She's dead. All you got to do is grab the handle and... Go ahead, O'Malley. You pull it out. Oh, all right. <laughs> Well, that's a man's body. A man, not a woman. Yeah, she's certainly you. What? Hey, it's Lieberman, the morgue attendant. Murder. murder in the morgue? It's murder, all right. It's head smash. But where's the girl's body? Yeah, Mr. Cortland. 
This is a job for the police. I don't give two hoots about your private detective credentials, Crane. But, Lieutenant... Are yours either, O'Malley. Now, look, a man was murdered in the morgue today and a woman's body was stolen. And you and O'Malley and this fellow Cortland were the only ones who could have done it. Why don't you stop acting like a movie, Captain Lieutenant Grady? What? Think it through. Cortland is my client. He hired O'Malley and me to find if the girl is a sister. Right. I sent Crane a wire from New York. All right. Skip the details. Ah, oh, use your head, Lieutenant Grady. You're forgetting a couple of things. Huh? You remember that Lieberman, the morgue attendant, had a handful of red hair in his hand. Have O'Malley and Cortland got red hair? Have I? Huh? You know darn well you have. And we also know that somebody held Lieberman from in front while someone else slugged him from behind. Otherwise, why would Lieberman's wrist be torn and bloody? Okay, okay, okay. Lieberman had the hair in his left hand. Now, if I were holding your wrist, I'd be holding your left wrist with my right hand, wouldn't I? I'd be holding your weaker hand with my strongest. All right. Now, what are you trying to prove? We're trying to prove... One at a time, O'Malley. Okay, go ahead, Crane. Thank you, Professor. We're trying to prove that whoever held Lieberman's hands was red-headed and left-handed. And none of us are left-handed or red-headed. All right, all right, Mr. Cortland, pipe down. Crane, go on from there. Lieutenant, we're going to find that missing body for you. All right. All right, Crane. But if you're getting away with something new and something right now, it's only temporary. All right, all right. Come on, O'Malley. Hey, look, don't forget, Crane. One false step and I'll pin the whole thing on you. But permanently. You shouldn't have slammed the door, Crane. You'll make him mad. Well, what happens now? You're going back to your hotel, Mr. Cortland, and wait till you hear from me. O'Malley and I got to pay a visit to the apartment where the missing body hanged herself. O'Malley, I thought I told you to stick out in the hall and keep your eyes peeled. Sure, Crane, but I'm getting nervous. Found anything yet? Nope. Uh, one funny thing, though. Alice Ross left a lot of brand new dresses here. In this closet. Look. Never been worn. But not a pair of shoes in the place. Hmm. That don't make sense, Crane. You're telling me. O'Malley, take a look at this bathroom door. According to the papers... This is where Alice Ross hanged herself. Draped the cord over it. Isn't that terrible? Yeah, let's see now. According to the papers, she came out of the bathtub and hanged herself while she was still wet. The police found a puddle of water on the floor. That's nuts, Crane. Why would anybody take a bath if they were going to commit suicide? Unless they wanted to hang themselves up to dry. Would anyone hang herself while she was still wet? Oh, I think she'd dry herself first. Don't make sense. It'd make good sense, O'Malley, if she didn't commit suicide. Yeah. It'd make better sense if she was murdered. Yeah. If, if, murdered? She was murdered first. Then the murderer hung her body up with a cord. O'Malley, get back in the hall and keep a lookout. Sometimes I wonder what you'd do without me, Crane. Sometimes I... Oh, oh. Now, now, what's the matter? It's Grady and a bunch of cops. Let's get out of here quick. Yeah, yeah, but where? It's three floors to the ground. How about this window? Great. Hey, there's a ledge. Huh? You go one way, I'll go the other. Come on and open up. We know you're in there. Open up. Now, if I can hide in this room until... My toe. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Now listen. Listen, I don't want to hurt you and I don't want to rob you. And I'll turn you loose if you promise not to make a sound. Now remember, if you make a sound, you're going to get hurt. Is that clear? Okay. You already hurt me. You hurt my mouth. What are you doing in my bathroom? What do you want anyway? Now listen, honey, I didn't want to duck to your bathroom window. It was just convenient, that's all. Well, get out. When I'm ready. Hey. Nice apartment you got here. Mind if I look around a bit? If you don't get out of here, I'll phone the police. You don't have to phone, sister. They're right next door. What? Yeah. Did you know the girl next door? The one who hanged herself? Alice Ross? What's that to you? And keep out of my clothes closet. Now listen, baby. You're a beautiful hunk of flesh, and I'd hate to get rough with you. 
But I like answers to questions when I ask them. Now, let's begin again. What's your name? Udoni. That's my name. It's Sam Udoni. Ah, that's better. Now, about the girl next door. I don't know anything about her. Don't lie to me. I'm not lying. Maybe so, but this closed closet is very interesting. Very. Why, you know... Watch it, baby. Now, tell me this. Why have you got two different sizes of shoes there in the shoe closet? Oh, and dresses. Hmm, and two different sizes. Two complete wardrobes. It's very simple. Uh, some of them belong to my roommate. He's a blonde. Uh, she dresses different from me. Thought you just said your name was Mrs. Udoni. Mrs. Sam Udoni. My husband's a musician. He travels with bands. He's away all the time. Yeah. What are you asking me all these questions? Your husband forgot to take his trumpet. Why, you... Now, don't get sore. I'm getting out. I just heard the cops next door go down the hall. I'm, uh, kind of sorry we met this way. <laughs> you are a beautiful doll. Don't be insulting. I always like long black hair. The kind that comes out of a bottle. <gasps> and don't be surprised if Papa comes back sometime. Get out. Get out, do you hear? Get out before I kill you! <laughs> Well, that's what it all adds up to, Mr. Cortland. Alice Ross was murdered. And her body, obviously, was stolen from the morgue to cover up that murder. And if this girl was murdered, and she turns out to be your sister... My sister is alive, Crane. I've just found out. What? Mr. Cortland! Oh, you heard from your sister? Yes, she's alive. So, as she's obviously not the dead Alice Ross, I'd like you both to drop the case. Oh, yeah. Well, uh... Well, I'd like to do that, Mr. Cortland. I'd, I'd like to very much, but uh, one small difficulty. Eh? You see, Lieberman, the morgue attendant, was murdered. And uh, I'm still kind of a suspect, and so is O'Malley. And so are you. Well, right. Right. And the only way we can clear ourselves is to break the case ourselves. Right. Right. Besides, uh, I think I know who helped to kill Lieberman and snatch the girl's body. To do who? An undertaker. A left-handed, red-headed undertaker. That's ridiculous. No, now, wait a minute, Mr. Cortland. Sometimes Crane gets brainstorms. Figure it out, Mr. Cortland. The only way anyone could get into the morgue and carry the body away is through the delivery entrance. That means only an undertaker could get in there without a lot of questions. What did I tell you, Mr. Cortland? A brainstorm. Right. Right. Oh, this is all nonsense. Complete and utter nonsense. Maybe so, but just to prove that it isn't, O'Malley's going out right now and find that undertaker. Right. Uh... Me? Where am I going to find him? You'll find him easy, O'Malley. Sure, sure. I'll find him easy? Well, if this is the only way we can clear ourselves, as you say, why, I ought to help find this undertaker. Fine, fine, Mr. Cortland. Now, let O'Malley cover one side of town and you cover the other. We'll meet here in four hours. And what about you, Crane? What are you going to be doing? Me? Didn't I tell you? I got a date with a gorgeous brunette. Mrs. Udoni. <laughs> I told you I'd be back. You. What are you doing here? Oh, I came to hear the hot music and uh, be near you. You've got a nerve after what happened today. Hey, hey, that's a solid horn your husband blows in that next room there. Yeah, what makes you think he's my husband? You said your husband was a musician and I saw a trumpet here this morning. Well, you see too much. What do you want anyway? How does a wife of a musician feel when another woman starts following him around the country? I don't know what you're talking about. Never heard of Catherine Cortland, huh? She never meant anything to Sam. She's been following him around for several years. Must have got someplace with him in that time. Look, you better get out of here. My husband's coming in here. Good. I want to see him. And tell him about you butting in here. I'll kill you. Who is this guy, baby? This is him, Sam. You're looking for trouble, mister. I like trouble. What do you want with us? I want Catherine Cortland, or I want a body. What are you talking about? Oh, don't be coy, you don't. I know Catherine Cortland left New York several years ago to follow you here. What about it? Sure she followed me here. Does that make me responsible for her? I haven't seen her for months. And who was that living in the apartment next door to you? How should I know? A girl commits suicide in the apartment next door, and right away I'm a suspect. Get out of here. Okay, you don't. Just one thing. You see this nice shiny badge? The body of the blonde that was murdered in the apartment next to yours. Apartment? Murdered? What are you... Well, the paper said that... Sure, the paper said suicide, but she was murdered, you darny. Murdered! And her body will be in the city morgue in four hours, and I want you to come and take a look at it. 
It's just like you said, Crane. There was a left-handed, red-headed undertaker. Only there isn't any more. What do you mean? Yeah. I went to his place, rang the bell. No answer. I went in, and there he was murdered. What? Murdered? Yep. Stuffed in one of his own coffins. A knife right through his heart. Police hadn't even been there yet. Well, this is incredible. Well, didn't you look around, O'Malley? I know, dope. No. I looked at his books, and I found out that a girl named Alice Hughes was buried today, Forest Tree Cemetery. That's our blonde, you wonderful O'Malley. I love you. Ah, oh, it was simple. Now, we gotta move fast. Get out to the Forest Tree Cemetery, get that body, and return it to the morgue. How about me? You? You come along too, Cortland. Let's go. <laughs> How can I go? Stick around, stick around. I got a job for you. You certainly have a genius for the fantastic crane, digging this body out of its grave, sneaking it in here in the morgue. I only do what's necessary, Cortland. Now, look. Are you sure this girl isn't your sister? Absolutely. Well, it's the same body that was swiped from the morgue, and she was murdered. Murdered? Furthermore, whoever killed this girl knows I've located the body and returned it here to the morgue. So what, crane? The killer's going to try to steal the body again. And you, Mr. Cortland and O'Malley, are going to catch him. Red-handed. Me? You. But, Crane, how can you be sure? I made sure. Now, listen. Here's what we're going to do. We leave the body here, on this table, with a sheet over it. Then you two get under the sheets on these other tables. But those are tables they perform autopsies on. Right. And the murderer, when he comes in, will never suspect that you're under those sheets. All right, Crane. I'm game. I'm leaving you two here alone. I'll beat it out and get Lieutenant Grady. Oh, I ought to warn you. No one knows you're down here in the vaults. Just you two. But don't worry. The killer will be here. Oh, uh, good luck, boys. Just us two and the killer, Mr. Cortland. I'm not afraid. Let's get under the sheets and I'll turn out the light. Mr. Cortland, will you do me a small favor? Why, certainly, O'Malley. What is it? Every now and then, reach over and pinch me. That will be a pleasure. Why? Every time I get under a sheet, I go to sleep. You don't mean to say you could go to sleep in a morgue waiting for a murderer? Why, that's ridiculous. My mind agrees with you, but when my body feels the sheet, it goes to sleep. It's right. Oh, hey, what are you doing? You asked me to pinch you. Oh, so I did. What are you using? Pliers? Just showing you the way I want you to pinch me. Gently, affectionately. Well, if that's your idea of affection, I pity your wife. Mm. O'Malley. Mm. Huh? Did you hear that? What? I swear the door opened and closed. Shh. Listen. Footsteps. Oh, yeah. Keep the sheet over your face. Hey! Let go of me! Let go! Crane! I've got him! I've got him! Crane! I've got him! Turn on the light! All right. All right, all right, Sue. Come on. I got you covered. Now, come on. Get up off the floor. Well, thanks, O'Malley. I knew I could depend on you. Right, right. Hey, this guy is Courtney. Now, you tricked me, Crane. You were waiting at the end of the hall all the time. And I suppose you didn't try to trick O'Malley and murder him in a bargain. Yeah, but I don't get it. Did Courtland kill Lieberman? Did he steal the body? Not so fast, O'Malley. Go ahead. Go to the telephone and tell Lieutenant Grady to hurry over here to the city morgue. If he wants Lieberman's killer, I'll wait here. 
I'm still expecting Sam Udoni to show up and identify the girl's body. Oh, uh, hmm. O'Malley. Hmm? Another thing. Get me a bucket full of peroxide. A bucket full... Peroxide? Peroxide! I'll need it! Uh, what's this all about, Crane? And say, who are all these people? Well, O'Malley, you know, and this is Sam Udoni and Mrs. Udoni. And this is my client, Mr. Cook. Uh, your client? Then why you got him handcuffed? Well, it ain't merely because he didn't pay his bill. Now, no cracks! Crane, O'Malley told me on the phone that this blonde dame, Alice Ross, didn't commit suicide but was murdered. What about that? Well, that's right. Murdered. By this man right here. But look, Crane, Cortland couldn't have... Who said anything about Cortland? I said this man right here. Meaning Samuel Doney. That's a lie. You can't prove that. You can't... Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Oh, Crane, you mean that you Doney committed all those murders? No, my husband was with me when they were committed. And what reason would he have to kill this, this Alice Ross? Why, he didn't even know her. How about that, Crane? Well, you don't. He ought to have known Alice Ross. He killed her because she wouldn't give him a divorce. Alice Ross was actually Mrs. Udoni. Uh, How could she be? I'm Mrs. Udoni. Let me out of here. Grab him, Molly. Let me go. Let me go. Let him out, Udoni. It won't do you any good. It's better. Don't talk, Sam. They can't prove anything. Be quiet, you. Be quiet, you. Be quiet, you. By heavens, this is all beginning to make sense. That's why Udoni stole the body of his wife. So that he could pass off this woman here as Mrs. Udoni. Right, Lieutenant. Sure, I get it. And now for the proof, O'Malley. O'Malley, hand me that bucket full of peroxide. Hey, now, wait a minute, Crane. Wait a minute before you start these shenanigans. If Alice Ross was actually Mrs. Udoni, who's his dame here? Well, that's simple. She's Catherine Cortland. What? You're crazy. Catherine Cortland was a blonde. Wait a minute. She's no blonde, Crane. Oh, no? Just watch. (laughs) Watch her hair, Lieutenant. Just watch her hair. Yeah. Say, the black is running out. The dye, you mean. You better take her someplace where she can clean up, O'Malley. Yeah, but wait a minute. Where does this guy Cortland fit in? I'm afraid he was merely an unhappy accomplice. But go easy on him. He's a good guy. Good guy. Good guy. Good guy. He tried to stab me. Yeah, yeah, but he was dragged into this whole thing to protect his sister. And she was dragged in by Samuel Doney. He's the real louse. Look, Crane, I'm not making any alibis, but I wish you'd answer me just one question. Go ahead, shoot, Cortland. How did you know my sister had dyed her hair? Well... In your sister's apartment, I found a bottle of black hair dye and a bottle of peroxide in the bathroom. But what finally convinced me was the real Mrs. Udoni. What do you mean? You see, hair grows after death. Uh, and if you take a look at the dead girl's body, you'll see the roots of her blonde hair are all black. Crane, all I can say, you make my hair stand on end. <laughs> Jonathan Latimer. Oh, yes, yes, we were going to have a guest ghost on tonight's broadcast. Oh, but poor fellow. He was taken gravely ill. The doctors have given up all hope. He's going to live. By the way, if you have any pet vampires you'd like to hear about on these programs, just drop me a line. Just give the letter to your favorite witch with instructions to take her broomstick and knock on the door of the mystery playhouse. Now it's time to close the doors before all these bats fly away. This is Peter Laurie saying good night. Sleep tight. Another mystery on Mystery Radio X X X. 
Pat Novak for hire. what the sign out in front of my office says. Pat Novak for hire. It's up there in block letters, but down on the waterfront in San Francisco, good printing doesn't mean a thing. You get that on the death certificate. If you're trying to make a living down here, you're not going to have any standing in the community except in a police lineup. I rent boats and do anything else that goes with a weak will and a strong stomach. It's not all bad. Once in a while... Something happens that makes you feel good for a moment. Like remembering somebody you kissed a long time ago. But most of the time, you buy your beer the hard way. It works out all right because most people learn to fall in love with a dollar bill and forget about trouble. And everything sounds all right, but sometimes it isn't. Like saying Happy New Year to a lifer. I found that out Wednesday night. I was sitting in the office with a sports page reading about those big tears that... Washington senators were shedding when I saw Crockett Odom for the first time. He was a big red-faced guy, and the veins stood out on his face and made a pattern as if he slept on an alligator bag instead of a pillow. He walked over to the desk and started to get quiet in a loud voice. I want to talk to you, Mr. Novak. Go ahead, pile up a lead. My name's Odom. You've heard of Crockett Odom. I don't get around. Tell me about it. I'm a lawyer, and I want you to watch a client for me. Her name is Wendy Morris. Is she hard to watch? You can get bloodshot eyes just looking at her. She drinks a little. What's a little? How should I answer? Any way you like. A pint, a quart. What's a little, Odom? Is she a dipso? We'll leave it there. She can make a quart of gin disappear while anybody else is looking for the corkscrew. Mm Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do? Hide the bottles? Mr. Novak, a full-grown octopus couldn't do that. I'm afraid this is more serious. It involves her husband. Let her take a drink and lose him. It'll save you money. It involves her husband or somebody who's supposed to be her husband. Oh, she's got a bad memory? She's a very wealthy girl, Mr. Novak. Five years ago, she married a man by the name of Stanley Morris. Immediately after, he went into uniform. You make it sound selfish. He's been gone ever since until a month ago. Spent most of that time overseas. The rest in the government hospital. Yeah. Now that he's back, something very peculiar has happened. I don't think the man is her husband. Well, that's a hard part to play. Has she got any theories? I think she suspects, too. I don't know why I feel that way. He seems to have picked up where he left off. Knows everything about her. Seems normal, but I'm sure the man is an imposter. Look, Odom, find a corner and patch up that story. You can't get that nearsighted on five years' booze. You don't understand, Mr. Novak. He was seriously injured. That makes identification hard. You think Stanley Morris is dead? I think he died somewhere along the line. This man took his place. That's a lot of trouble just to share a boarding room with a boozer. Not if you can share it with someone else on her money. That's why I want you to watch her. Particularly tonight. Why tonight? Is Stanley full of temper? It's been leading up to this... He wants her to go to a gambling club. And I know he's too friendly with the owner of the club. I want you to go along as a friend. Now, look, mister, I wouldn't go as her friend to a masquerade ball. If you're making a deal, make it out in the open. Do it your own way, Novak. At $300, earn it any way you can. Yeah. Where's the club? She'll take you. Just pick her up at this address. Mm -hmm. Does she know about it? She'll understand you. In fact, that's the only risk you run. Hmm? I told you she drinks most of the time. When she doesn't, you're the type she gobbles up. I'll bring some cheese instead. That won't do any good. It's not the flavor she likes, Mr. Novak. It's the crunch. Good night. When Odom walked out of there, I knew he was the kind of a guy who'd put the wolf at your door if he could get one wholesale. On the way up the pier, he stopped and looked out at the bay as if he intended to do away with it before morning. And then he turned and disappeared around the corner. Well, I sat there for a while, and I went over his story. I was sure it wouldn't hold any more water than a gross of holes, but I had no way of checking. Finally, about 7 o'clock, I closed the office, and I went by the address he gave me. It was a 
modernistic apartment up on Telegraph Hill, one of those places where they let a guy out of the basement long enough to paint murals on the front. This one had a guy waving a blonde wig in front of a tired old monk named Faust. Wendy Morris' apartment was up on the second floor, and when I rang the buzzer, she opened the door with a nice, easy motion, like a cat getting ready to eat its young. I could see right away what Odom was talking about. If you ever build a house, you'd want somebody like her in the blueprints. She leaned against the doorway, and she was wearing a crepe evening gown that was supposed to let you know that nature had given her a square deal. She didn't say anything at first. She just kept fingering her glass and looking at you as if you knew she was full of gin and comfort. It makes a nice rattle. Are you, Mr. Novak? Yeah, I rattle, too. Invite me in. Mm, I'll bet you do. Come in. Yeah. So you all paid to like me. Will a drink help, Mr. Novak? Yeah. Sit down. I'll get some soda. No, this'll do. What did Crockett tell you? He said you got thirsty. Did he mention men? Crockett thinks they're related. His sole concession to the medical profession. He mentioned your husband. Where is he? I thought that was the problem. Sounds phony. There must be a way to spot old husbands. How? I wouldn't know. Do you think Stanley Morris is dead? I don't know, Mr. Novak. Do you care either way? As long as I'm safe, no. Stanley was no bargain. Why'd you marry him? I don't know. I suppose I confused a hangover with love. Well, he sounds exciting. About as lively as a dish rag in a steam bath. It doesn't make any difference now, Mr. Novak. I'm frightened. You've got to help me. You're in for $300, that's all. Where is this gambling joint? Out on Gary Boulevard. It's called the Mother Load. The sense of humor belongs to Frankie Fannin. Is he funny enough to deal with Stanley? I don't know. Stanley's been out there every night for two weeks. Now he's forcing me to go. There must be a reason. There must be a reason for what? Don't tempt me, Stanley. This is Mr. Novak, my husband. I never heard of you, Novak. You've got me worried. He's a friend of mine. What does he do, drive a beer truck? My husband is being subtle, Mr. Novak. He's going with us, Dan. We don't know anybody well enough to take him with us. You don't have to feel burdened. I'll take him. Aren't you wearing out that leash? Now, look, mister, I'm here on a straight deal. Cash and carry, and your credit's through. From now on, that mouth of yours costs you dough. Go ahead and pout, Stan. You look better with your lip turned in. All right, if you like him, he goes. I'll have to make another reservation. Hand me the phone, Novak. Yeah. Here. Thanks. Let's go, Wendy. Your friend backed out. I hope they got a good price for my head because when I started down, shoulder blades were the best I could do for height. I rolled over once and then I stretched out on the floor as hard as a piece of chewing gum on the theater seat. I don't know how long I chased that woman in the bathing suit. Must have been about an hour when the phone began to ring. I tried to get up once or twice, but I couldn't get the boxcar off my chest, and the phone kept ringing like a piece of crystal in a hailstorm. I finally made a ladder out of my knees and got to the phone. Yeah? How's your head? It's a little ripe. What's on your mind? Something's gone wrong. I have to meet you. Not at these prices. I just got a message from Crockett Odom. I'm leaving now. I want you to meet me in room 314 of the Galbraith Hotel. Where is it? A third-rate trap on Powell Street. It's important. Will you come? Yeah. And I'm sorry about your head. I'll have to rub the bruise for you. Wait till I get there. You can rub one of your own. She was right about that hotel. In a good season, they couldn't have drawn transient mice. I got there about a quarter to ten. I rode up to room 314. There was nobody there. So I sat down and started to wait. The floor was quiet, except down at the end of the hall, somebody was playing a phonograph record. The music was thin but loud, and I knew they were old records, way back when this bird Bix was a man instead of a memory. It stopped after a while, and I looked at my watch. It was after ten, so I left the hotel, and I went out to the gambling joint. I toured the room, but I couldn't find Wendy or Stan. I got a guy at the window, and he remembered somebody like Wendy, so I asked about her. He just pointed over at Frankie Fannin's office and went on making change. I crossed over and knocked at the door. The guy that opened it had a face like three pounds of warm putty. It was moist and pink, and he got the idea they put the color in with a spray gun. And if his heart was made of the same stuff, they drained the oil out first. Yeah? My name's Novak. Who's arguing? I want to talk to you. Yeah? Where's Wendy Morris? I don't know. She was in here tonight. 
It's a jail term. I don't follow women home. Am I supposed to buy that? Look, Junior, I don't care whether you live or die. I haven't seen her. How about her husband? He owes me dough. What else? Ask his wife. He's an IOU to me. I don't know what you're doing here, but you better make your point fast. Now, look, Fannin, if you got a party, I don't want to blow out the candles, but I want some answers. Yeah? She got boosted in here tonight. Why? I brought her in for word games. I told her if her husband didn't square his fill, I'd work him into hamburger. Yeah? She offered to bring the buns. Now, that's all the talk you get, mister. Tip the girl on your way out. I need the money. Come in. Joe's up and tell me which one's Novak. I am. What's on your mind? The other guy's lucky. I'm Craig from Homicide. Where's Hellman? He's got a mouth full of canary, Novak. That's right. I just left room 314 of the Galbraith Hotel. So did I. Two of us made it then. The girl didn't. Novak, he's trying to tell you Wendy Morris is dead. How do you know she's dead? It's the only reason cops drew. You want to see her, Novak? No. She was better alive. Come on down anyway. Maybe I didn't try hard enough. When I walked out of there, I felt like a voice teacher with adenoids. Whoever Craig was, he was smart, and he tagged all the bases because as we moved through the lobby, he motioned to me, and the desk clerk nodded. Well, I didn't worry about that desk clerk because he hadn't said no for years. But when we got to room 314, I needed China Passage. There were three or four of Craig's men grouped along the dim hall like dirty shadows, and inside, Wendy Morris was stretched out looking in the wrong direction. There was a white sheet draped over, and I wondered where the hotel had borrowed that, but Craig wanted to talk. You must have had a big beef, Novak. Sorry we were friends. I'll bet that was fun. I was supposed to meet her here. She didn't show. The desk clerk says she did. Not while I was here. I was in that gambling joint by 10.30. The desk clerk says you ask about Wendy Morris. Then you came up here and killed her. That's the way I'm going to book you. Check on her husband. You can fit him in near the top of the list. She got one? A lot of blonde hair to keep indoors. Huh? Good blondes run like salmon. Wait a minute, Craig. Give me that sheet. Well, well. Yeah? Craig, you better not book me for Wendy Morris. Huh? If you do, you'll mix up all the on-duty angels because somebody killed the wrong woman. This isn't Wendy Morris. Yeah, you must be wrong. How do you know? How does anybody know? They look different. They got different personalities. Take your pick, Craig, but somebody got the wrong woman. Take another look. I don't need another. With Wendy, the first looks for names and faces. Yeah? If you take a second look, mister, it's for love. <laughs> Craig liked to pick his dead because when he found out the woman on the floor was somebody else, he started to shake a little and his mouth hung open like a broken screen door. I didn't blame him much. I tried to think back and piece it together, but it wouldn't work out. It almost made sense, like the broken phrases of an old conversation, but not enough of it came back and, well, there was still something missing. What happened to Wendy Morris and how about this girl on the floor? Where did she get her drag with heaven? I looked down at her again. She was pretty, if you like quiet girls. She had a vacant look in her eyes as if the brains had checked out without letting her know. And the color was starting to leave her face. The light was bad and you had to look close to see her skin. There were little splotches of pink and the rest was white like shrimp that hadn't been boiled long enough. Craig was worried and that's something he couldn't hide. Who is she, Novak? I don't know, Craig. We didn't meet her soon enough to know. Uh, You should have checked. The hotel register says Wendy Morris. Who read it for you? Oh, you're tough, Craig. I'll bet you got the wino scared stiff. Keep on talking. I'll get you some help. Come on in. He wants to make a statement. On the bed, Novak. How'd you get your boys, Craig? They look tired. On the bed, Novak. All right, Joe, take his arms. Yeah. The other two, hold his head back against the bed. Where's Wendy Morris, Novak? I don't know, copper. You sure you're from homicide? So it's against the law. Don't tell anybody. Now make a statement, Novak. Yeah. Here's a statement about you, Craig. We'll find out downtown. You can save some teeth. Where's the other girl? I don't know. Hold him up. Where's Wendy Morris? Craig, you can go. Put his head against the bed. It's for exercise now, Craig. Hmm. All right, he's not a season pass. We don't have to hang on to him. (laughs) 
somebody's dirty towel on an old garter the maid forgot to pick up last month. I felt my way down to the lobby and into the street, and most of the time, one question kept going through my mind. Craig was going to run me in before. Why had he changed his mind? Well, I found out when I started to turn the corner. Craig had a tail on me, and he was real hard to spot, like a red gnash at the top of the mark. He moved out from under a light near the pool room on the corner, and I watched him in the windows as we walked along. After a while, I quit worrying about him because I knew in a pinch he couldn't follow a conversation with a printed form. Well, I had a lot of ground to cover, so I looked up Jocko Madigan. He's a good guy, and he was a smart one, too. Until he found out if your eyes get red enough, you don't need rose-colored glasses. I finally found him at the cafe house, as tight as a tennis racket in the rain. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Jocko, I want to talk to you. Uh, some belated Christmas carols, Patsy. Uh, the piano player quit and everybody else dropped out, so I'm doing it a cappella by myself. All right, Jocko. Christmas eluded me, Patsy. I got up through Christmas Eve and then I seem to have missed Christmas entirely. Uh, did they hold it this year? Well, it wouldn't happen if you'd get up in the morning. I refuse to get up early, Patsy. I refuse to get up in the morning until the streets have been aired. The only things that should be around at that hour are peasants and a bunch of random dew. Jocko, will you listen? I'm in trouble. I'm not surprised, because you're a counterfeit, Patsy. You're a piece of plate in a room full of sterling. You're like some of the rest of these people running around in a hurry. Jocko, please. Just plunging into anything. Look at the papers. Some people have spent years shooting a rocket 110 miles into the air. What's the use? Will you listen? What's the use? When you get 110 miles up, all you can do is turn around and come on back down again. We're killing time 110 miles in the air instead of learning to spend it down here. All right, all right. Oh, it's depressing, Patsy. Running around in a frenzy like a rooster in a barnyard full of ducks. I'm ready to take the drink. Are you all through, Jocko? Yes. Humanity's a tough life. What kind of trouble? I bought a murder rap for 300 bucks. Well, if it's a bargain, why complain? Who's dead? I don't know who she is. Homicide found her in a hotel on Powell Street. I tagged by before the murder. Well, serves her right. If I were a woman, I wouldn't trust you in the middle of Stanford Stadium with 80,000 people. It was the wrong woman. It was supposed to be a gal named Wendy Morris, but she didn't show. Oh, that was shrewd of her. I was hired by a lawyer named Crockett Odom to watch her. Why? She's a dipso. She must have some faults. Odom suspects her husband. He was in uniform, and now that he's back, Odom figures he's a fraud out for the girl's money. Can't the girl tell the difference? She's not sure. I don't think she was observant. Now, look, this is a big story, Jocko. I can't fill in all the holes. You've got to help me. I want you to check on Crockett Odom, will you? I'll need some money. Oh, you'll booze it away. Now, hurry, Jocko. If you need money, get a job. Oh, I can't go to work, Patsy. I'm a victim of my own conscience. Yeah. I'm stuck with a dilemma. I'm willing to go to work, but I work too cheaply. And on the other hand, I'll not support slave labor. So it's morally impossible for me to go to work. Good night, lover. It was about 11.30 when I left Jocko, and the two beatings began to catch up with me. I had enough headache to pass out to a Bay Meadows crowd on a bad day. The tail behind me began to look tired, so I dropped by headquarters to give him a rest. I asked for the head of homicide, but the desk told me that Hellman was on his honeymoon, and they kind of laughed when they said it, as if they thought he got the girl there on a bench warrant. All they'd done at headquarters was identify the dead woman. Her name was Emily Van Kirk, and she had no record. I dropped to the hotel, and the first break showed down there. The desk clerk knew about Emily Van Kirk. He'd mixed the rooms up, and he'd put Wendy in the wrong one. That meant that maybe she was at the hotel after all. It also meant that Emily was in the clear. She was just a girl on her way to Seattle, and she got a longer ride than she paid for. I called Wendy's, but I couldn't get an answer, so I dropped by my place to wait for Jocko. Stanley Morris was there, chewing his fingernails, and when I walked in, he was up to the wristwatch. Mr. Novak, where's my wife? You're hiding her. She's good enough to hide, but this isn't the night. Well, where is she? She must have gone to you after that hotel. How do you know she was there? Did you drop by, too? Doesn't make any difference. Well, it makes a big difference for me. <laughs> We're all out of phones. Now, tell me about that hotel. Crockett Odom told me to come there. Why? I don't know. I was supposed to be there at 10.30. It was some kind of a crazy scheme. There's a dead girl mixed up in one. Sorry, it wasn't Wendy. Odom tried to break up this marriage. I wish he had. You sound feeble, mister. You don't know her the way I do. 
She's a cold-blooded animal. The only cold-blooded animal that doesn't bear fur. You're building a case. I don't know what have her around. I suppose you would. There's a certain localized beauty you'd go for, but nobody else would have her. They'd find out what she is, a, a puff at her with a good figure. Yeah, wait a minute. Huh? We got company. Somebody's coming in the door. Watch it. There goes the light. All right, stand back. He couldn't have died any faster with a priority. I got to the door and threw on the light switch, but whoever it was had gone and the hall was dark. When I got back to Stan, he was lying there like a well-trained sponge. He wasn't a good enough guy to bleed in the living room, so I dragged him into the kitchen and left by the back way. I had to get word to Jocko, so I left a message at his place telling him to get in touch with me at Wendy's. I went up there to sit on her doorstep and wait if it took all night. I wasn't going to freeze, though, because she opened the door as soon as I knocked. She was still wearing that crepe gown, and she was yawning and stretching her arms. Oh, you might not want to bring her home to Mother, but she'd want to start anyway. Do you always look at women this way, Patsy? I feel like Eve. And I'll bet you get a kitchen full of apples. Do I argue or come in? You may argue, but do it in here. Yeah. When'd you get back? Why? Somebody just killed Stan. If you're sure, the drinks are on me. He didn't like you either. We'd be even if he had anything to start with. Don't ever marry, Patsy. Now, look, lady, I'm nursing a murder rap, and I need some answers. Was Stan a phony? He's the same guy I married, if that's what you mean. You weren't sure four hours ago. I wanted an answer then. What kind? You're too far ahead, Patsy. Come to a trot and have a drink. Lady, has anybody ever told you about a slow burn? I got one now. Mm, I'll bet you have, darling. Oh, this room isn't big enough for games, baby. Give me a patch. Go find a guy with a bag of wild oats. Soft shadow boxing, Patsy. All right, baby. Patsy. That's what makes the poor so happy. They don't have phones. Yeah. Patsy, this is Jocko. What'd you find out? Crockett Odom is in love with Wendy Morris. Does it go both ways? Oh, a different rate of exchange. I got something else, too. Yeah? A will is a big temptation. Go ahead. If she bows out, all the dough goes to her husband. Maybe the guy is a fraud. Oh, he's going to have it straightened out. What else? The funny part of the will. Uh-huh. If they're both dead, all the dough goes to Crockett Odom. You better see him in a hurry. Well, that doesn't make sense. If he killed her and got all that dough, it'd cost him that much to get another like her. Maybe not. Oh, uh-huh. you haven't seen her, Jocko. He wouldn't pass that up. She's nice and speedy. Oh, I can explain that. When you're over 50, you don't mind the speed. It's the freewheeling you hate to think about. When Jocko hung up, I knew we had a good pair of seats. That story of Stan's finally made sense. There was only one reason why he could have been called there at 10.30, and for the first time, I tumbled why Craig had let me go back in that hotel room. Everything was right in place like a mixed master in a bride's kitchen. I dropped by headquarters and left a note, and then the girl and I ran into Craig down at the desk. I briefed him on what had happened, and we rode up to Crockett Odom's apartment. When we got to the living room, things turned stormy. Hello, Novak. It's too late to start a party. Oh, you're going to like this one, Odom. That's right, darling. You'll love it. This is Craig from Homicide. He wants you for murder. It doesn't sound right, Craig. Novak's calling it. See him. I talked to Stan before he died. He tipped your mitt, Crockett. He couldn't tip a water glass. He was smart enough to know you sent for him. That's why he didn't show at 10.30. You better have it in writing. No, I don't need it that way. I got Craig. He won't let you out that easy. What's he talking about, Craig? Homicide will shake him down too fast. You're with a walking dead now, Craig. I left a note. They know you killed the girl. Are you crazy, Craig, to come up here? I can't argue now. He's too lucky, Odom. I got all sevens tonight, Craig. Crockett Odom sold you bad goods. He did everything wrong. Thanks, Odom. I'm going to leave you, but don't let the bag get too heavy. Now, wait a minute, Craig. You're not going to let me hang for this. You won't. They burn in this state. Stay away from that door, Craig. Sorry, Odom. You dealt me in, but I got bad cards. I want to see you play them alone. Can you get by this gun? I'll make a try. Hang on to your skin. Give me a hand, Novak. Yeah, anything to help you die. Here. How's Odom? He'll keep. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Novak. What to do wrong? Everything. But mostly when you let me go up in that hotel room. Yeah. I should have pinched you then. I'm a tender-hearted guy. 
You're a bum, Craig. I can move you down a step lower even. You're a liar. I checked. You're not working for the city. They never heard of you downtown. I'm not going to make it, Novak. Lay my head down. Yeah. I'll put it down easy. Goodbye, Craig. I hope you have a long night. up Odom and got most of the story out of him. Jocko was right. Odom got tired of chasing the girl and went after the money instead. He drummed up that phony story to plant a reason for a quarrel, and then he tried to pay it off in that hotel room. He offered a cut to Craig for the heavy-duty work. Wendy was supposed to show up at 10.15. Craig had kill her and wait. When Stan showed up at 10.30, Craig was supposed to stage a fight and kill him. That way, he'd be in the clear, and so would Odom. They'd say it was a husband and wife quarrel, and Craig had a phony shield to back him up. Craig dreamed up that story about being a cop. But the whole scheme went haywire when the desk clerk mixed up the rooms. Craig killed the wrong woman, and Stan got there late. That's why he got scared when it turned out to be somebody else, so he let me go. Odom was afraid that Stan had showed up and knew the story, so he had a ticket right away. The guy who told me was handy for that. When did I first tumble to something wrong? When I was sure that Crockett Odom had told a lie. He said the girl was a dipso, but when I got there, she was drinking soda with her whiskey. And a good dipso won't waste that much time. Well, it worked out all right. Hellman was on his honeymoon, so he didn't have any questions. Rob and his wife did. Join us again next time on Mystery Radio X. X.